in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And the second reading is from John chapter 13, verses 1 to 17, and it's on page 1673. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the mill, took off his outer clothing and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realise now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you, he asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. For I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Hear the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks for reading, Karen. Do keep that passage of the Bible open, John 13. We're going to be looking at that story together. This is the end of a sermon series through the period of Lent. We've called it a matter of life and death. We've been going slowly through John 11, 12, 
and now the beginning of 13. And this morning, we've got the title, Real Love, Real Love. Uh, Imagine a girl lying on the side of the footpath in the city, begging for change. Her eyes are sunken, there are bruises on her arms, there are discarded needles in the gutter. There's an unpleasant smell as people walk by. And most people do walk by. A few stop, find some loose change and throw a coin or two. Maybe one or two find a note and drop that into the girl's lap. Is that real love? A few dollars of loose change. What would real love look like for that girl? It would look like someone entering her world sitting down beside her on the footpath, finding out her name, finding out her real needs, and then saying, whatever it costs, I'm going to help you get back on your feet. I'm going to help get you cleaned up. I'm going to help whatever it costs to get you home. That's what real love looks like because that's what Jesus has done for us. See, we hear that little story and I guess assume or put ourselves in the shoes of the people walking by because we see ourselves as competent people, people of means. We've got things together to some degree. We've got something to offer. But the Bible says we're far more than us. Spiritually speaking, at least, we are needy. We're dirty. We're crying out for someone to love us. And the Christian story is the story of real love. It's the story of the Son of God who entered our world, drew close, put his arm around us, and said, whatever it takes, whatever it costs, I'm going to help. I'm going to meet your real needs, your deepest needs. I'm going to help get you cleaned up. The Christian story is the story of Jesus joining us in our mess so that we can join him in his family. In the story from John 13 that we had read, we see the real God showing real love by providing real forgiveness and calling us to real life. It's all here in this passage. What is real love? Who is the true God? Is forgiveness really available? And what is the meaning of life? John 13 has it all. So let's dive in. Three points to guide us through this morning. Firstly, the God of love. What is your picture of love, real love? What would it look like for love to show up? If you did a Google search, real love, I wonder what would come up. Let me ask a slightly different question. What do you think of when you think of God? What would it look like for God to show up? In the Bible, those are the same question. And the Bible's answer is, it looks like Jesus. Jesus reveals the God of love. In John's gospel, Jesus is the word. The very first line of John says, in the beginning was the word And the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is the word of God. In other words, he is the self-revelation of God. Everything God wants to tell us about himself is found in Jesus. 
Jesus himself has said the same thing. Just before this passage in John at the end of chapter 12, Jesus said, the one who looks at me is seeing the one who sent me. And just after this passage, at the beginning of chapter 14, Jesus said, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. That's an incredible thing for a human being to say, isn't it? I mean, imagine that I stood up this morning and said, you want to know what God is like? You've come to church. You want to know what God is like? Look at me. Check me out. What would you conclude? I'm at least incredibly arrogant, if not mentally unstable, right? But that's what Jesus said. You want to know what God is like? Look at me. And what does God look like? Look down to the passage again, verse 1. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. So John is telling us this is going to be a demonstration of Jesus' love. Look down to verse 3. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water into a basin, and began to wash his disciples' feet. That is extraordinary. Verses 3 and 4. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his control, that he'd come from God and was returning to God. Jesus knew who he was, the Prince of Heaven, the King of the Cosmos. So what did he do? He got down on his knees and started to clean the muck and the filth from his disciples' feet. Now, washing feet was the job of the lowest slave. And we've got to remember in those days, people wore open sandals and they walked on roads that did not have underground sewers. This was not like someone in a beauty salon giving a pedicure to a customer. This was dirty, smelly, humiliating service. But again, notice the connection here. Jesus knows he's the Lord of the universe, so, therefore, he takes the role of a servant. He kneels, he serves, he washes. Not in spite of being God does he do these things. Because he is God, he does these things. What did that reading in Philippians say? Jesus being in very nature God, what did he do? Humbled, became a man, became obedient to death on a cross. Death on a cross, the ultimate shame, the ultimate humiliation. As we'll see later, Jesus' washing of his disciples' feet is a picture of what he's about to do for them on the cross. The humiliation of the foot washing points forward to the ultimate humiliation of the cross. In those days, crucifixion was so brutal, so humiliating, it was considered out of bounds for polite conversation. Yet the Bible says, this is the revelation of God. This is what God looks like. This is his true nature. What you're seeing here as Jesus washes his disciples' feet, what you're about to see as he dies for them and for us on that cross is not Jesus taking a break from his deity, but Jesus expressing his deity 
As we've seen through the series so far, the cross is Jesus' moment of glory, his finest hour. Today is Palm Sunday. We remember Jesus entering victorious into Jerusalem. The people wave their palm branches. They shout out in praise. But how does he come? Not in a chariot, not on a war horse, on a donkey. Yes, he's the king, but he's a lowly king. He's a king who serves, a king who gets his hands dirty, who gets nailed to a cross. Friends, this is our God, the servant king. Maybe you don't believe in gods, but I wonder which God don't you believe in? I think for many people who don't believe in God, when they say that, the God that they are picturing is the the old bearded guy sitting on a throne wearing a robe, stern look on his face, arms folded, spear at the ready. Sounds like Thor, doesn't it? Christians don't believe in Thor. Christians believe in Jesus. The God revealed in Jesus. He's not sitting on a throne. He's kneeling on the floor. He's not wearing a robe. He's wearing a towel. He's not got his arms folded. They're outstretched in love. There's no stern look on his face. There's tears in his eyes. He hasn't got a spear in his hand. He's got a spear in his side. And nails in his hands. And thorns in his skull. I wonder, is that a God you can believe in? A God who expresses his godness by serving you, loving you, by dying for you. That's the God of love revealed in Jesus. Secondly, the offer of forgiveness. I wonder how you would have reacted if you'd been there. As you saw Jesus humble himself, do this lowly job, what would you think as he came to you, offering to wash your feet. Peter's response makes sense, doesn't it? Verse 6, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus, you're the Lord. What are you doing? Jesus says, you don't understand what I'm doing. And Peter says, effectively, I don't care. You are never going to wash my feet. Over the years on Maundy Thursday, the Thursday before Easter, we've incorporated foot washing into our evening service. We've had bowls of water and towels, and we've gone around and washed each other's feet. It's been an interesting experience to sit over another human being as they serve you in that very humble way. There's something intimate about it, and there's definitely something very awkward about it. But how much more awkward would it be to sit over the Lord of Lords as he kneels before you and washes your feet? But Jesus says to Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now it's clear that Jesus is talking here about more than the act of washing feet. As he said, verse 7, you don't realize what I'm doing, but later you'll understand that the foot washing is pointing forwards to Jesus' death. The foot washing symbolizes what Jesus will do for his disciples and for us when he dies on the cross. And Jesus says that his service of us is essential. If we don't let him serve us, if we don't let him wash us, 
then we have no part with him. Apparently, we're dirty. According to Jesus, we're unclean. We need to be washed. If you relate to that at all. Do you ever look at yourself and feel unclean on the inside? You know, the things that you've done, the ways that you've treated other people. They've left a stain. You can't wash it out. Jesus' washing of the disciples' feet is a picture of what he came to do, to, to wash us clean on the inside. And the foot washing shows the only way Jesus could do that was by humbling himself, getting his hands dirty. The only way Jesus could cleanse us from our sin was by getting his hands dirty, taking our sin on himself, bearing our guilt, dying our death. In Shakespeare's play, Macbeth, Lady Ma now, I haven't seen Macbeth, I just know this one scene, so don't think of me as a Shakespeare buff, not at all. Lady, ba Lady Macbeth, apparently, knows that she is guilty as an accomplice to murder. She's guilty of persuading Macbeth to kill Duncan. Does that, any nods, people that know? Yeah, good. She, she holds the guilt within, but at night, she walks the castle in her sleep. And her conscience cries out. It's as if she can see blood on her hands. And she cries, out, damned spot. Out, I say. Ah, the, the smell of blood is still there. All the perfumes of Arabia could not sweeten this little hand. Shakespeare's capturing this idea, isn't he? The, the stain of guilt that we cannot wash ourselves clean. But Jesus says, I can wash you clean. I can remove the stain. I can forgive your sins. In the beginning of Isaiah, Isaiah looks forward to the forgiveness that Jesus will offer. It says, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Two weeks ago at the Oscars, Will Smith took offense at a joke made about his wife, got up on the stage and slapped the presenter, the MC, Chris Rock, in the face. And the response to that act of violence has been immense, hasn't it? One thing is clear, that impulsive act will never be forgotten. It's been recorded and it will be remembered for the rest of Will's life and beyond. Will Smith will bear the consequences. What's done cannot be undone. And it's the same for us. The things that we've done, they may not receive as much attention, but they can't be undone. And there's one person who sees it all. God sees. God Knows God sees the secret sins that no one else knows about. God knows us inside out. Now that would be a scary prospect if God was like Thor. But God is not like Thor. He's like Jesus. 
And Jesus is the God who joins us in our mess. He's the God of love. He's the friend of sinners. And Jesus says, I can wash you clean. I haven't come to condemn you. I've come to cleanse you. What's done can't be undone, but it can be forgiven. I can get the spot out. I can remove the stain. I can cleanse your conscience so that the the weight of guilt is lifted and you live free. Jesus says to each of us this morning, I know there are things in your life that need cleansing. Let me wash you. Let me serve you. Humble yourself enough to admit your needs so I can wash you clean. What have we seen so far? The God of love. Is that a God you can believe in? The offer of forgiveness, is that an offer you can accept? Thirdly, the call to serve. Look again at verse 12. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, I've set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. What is Jesus telling his disciples to do? We've seen that his foot washing is pointing forward to his humble service on the cross. So I take it that this is closely related to what we've seen in previous weeks, that the call to follow Jesus in the way of the cross, the way of love, the way of sacrificial service. Perhaps the new aspect that comes out in this passage is the humility of Jesus, his willingness to make himself low, to get his hands dirty, to take on the role of a servant. And did you notice at the end of the passage, according to Jesus, this is the blessed life. Verse 17, now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. The life of humble service, the life of sacrificial love, the the life of entering into the mess of other people's lives is the blessed life. It's the happy life. It's the life that God honors. Doesn't mean it's easy, but Jesus says it's good. I don't know about you, but I've found spending time in these chapters has really sharpened my understanding of this call to live the way of the cross. You know, I've heard it a hundred times over the years. Deny yourself, take up your cross, follow me. What I've come to realize at a deeper level is that when I'm standing at the sink, facing another load of washing up, when I'm holding my daughter in her trauma, when I'm battling my introversion to reach out and meet up to disciple someone, In all those occasions and more, I have an incredible opportunity to follow the example of my beautiful Savior, to reflect his humility, his love, his service. And so those menial tasks, those unseen acts of service take on incredible significance. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. We're called to serve, to love, to follow the example of Jesus, 
But we need to be careful because following the example of Jesus is hard. We'll only be able to love others if we're receiving Jesus' love for us. Verse 14, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. It's not just that he's done that and we follow his example, but we need to be those who are receiving his love and service if we've got any chance of following and doing the same. We love because he first loved us. We serve because he has served us. We can forgive others because he's forgiven us. This is life. This is what life is all about. You want a kind of short definition for the meaning of life? This is it. To receive Jesus' love and pass it on. I wonder, is that a description of your life? Well, let's pray as we finish. Just a moment in quiet to reflect, then I'll lead us in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for revealing God to us, revealing the true nature of God. Thank you for your love, your humility, your service. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for serving us. Thank you for dying for us. Thank you for the offer of forgiveness, cleansing. Help each one of us to take up that offer to humble ourselves, to admit our need and, and let you wash us clean, whether that's for the first time or the thousandth time. And thank you for the call to live, to, to live the blessed life, to love and serve others as you've loved and served us. Show us what that looks like for each of us and strengthen us by your Spirit so that we might do it. Amen. We are going to...